This week on a lively experiment, 2018, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, and our panel's predictions for the coming year. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us this week, Dave Lehman, corporate communications strategist and former television anchor. Brown University political science professor Wendy Schiller. Maureen Moakley, political science professor at the University of Rhode Island and the political reporter for the public's radio, Ian Donis. Hello, everyone. I'm Jim Hummel. Welcome to the show where we get to dissect the year that was and put on our collective crystal balls and make predictions for the year ahead. And we get to go back and see who was right, who was wrong, and their prognostications from a year ago. We will get to that in just a moment. Dave, let's begin with you. What is your top local story for the year? This really was a tough one. I've got a bunch of them, but I'll go with one, and uh, I'm going to say the Paw Sox departure. I think that uh, a lot of of broadcast and print time and a lot of political attention was given to this because it was also uh, symbolic because of Pawtucket and also because there was a possibility and it came to pass that the the Paul Sox actually did go out of state. Uh, So I think that was a big story of the year. That might have been the number one topic that we had here and going back even two years, right? On Lively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Either way. Maureen, what do you have? I had that as one of my top my top one. I'll give you another one. No, I have a backup. (laughs) My backup was uh, the Mattiello election. The whole, you know, the whole reportage around who, if he was going to run, if, if he was going to be challenged. And it really underscored a couple of things. The power of the speaker, it, it underscored that. And the remarkable ability of someone that had a lot of things going against him to pull it out. I mean, you know, in terms of, and it wasn't just, as it was the last time, the absentee ballots. I mean, he really walked the streets. I had a student who was doing campaign work as part of their requirements. And, uh, it was a very robust campaign. They were out knocking on doors. And so the whole idea of who he was, what would happen if he didn't get elected, and the fact that he did, is uh, I thought was a big story. Okay. Wendy, what do you have? I, I think uh, Governor Gina Raimondo's consolidation of the Democratic Party in Rhode Island was a really big story. I think she, she managed throughout the course of the year to thwart a challenge from Matt Brown, but also bring more voters out in the primary, but also in the general election, and she really sort of consolidated. Everybody did pretty well across the board, the Democrats. And it looked like a shaky year when you started the year for, for her and for others. And it just ended up being a complete sweep. And I think key to that was consolidating and, and a little bit more unity in the Democratic Party. Were you surprised she got more than 50 percent? Uh, I was not. I thought she was going to break 50 percent, but I didn't think she'd get to, I think she's 54, 53, 53, almost 53, 54 yeah. percent. But I didn't. But think, that was I big for her because the, everybody said, "Oh, you know, you only get elected with 35, 36, True. 40. I think the primary turnout was really key, and then her her walloping really of Matt Brown in the in the, in the primary meant those people were going to get out again in the general. So that's why I thought her numbers would go up. She should send Matt Brown a fruit basket because her campaign got a little worried about him, and they started going, and they never stopped, and she had very decisive victories in both the primary and the general. Great and good momentum, whereas Alan Fung wasn't talking to anybody and then kind of rolled in. What do you have, Ian? Jim, my top story is the Paw Sox and more so how the state's top elected officials could not get on the same page in terms of that. We saw the state Senate pass a 
plan earlier in the year that could have kept the Paul Sox here, but the House wouldn't go along with it. That was influenced by Speaker Mattiello and his re-election issues in Cranston. The House passed its own version in June that was very unappetizing to Paul Sox. By then, Worcester had made a much more generous offer. And it'll take time to see if that's in Worcester's best interest. But we are losing the Paw Sox, and that will have other ripple effects. I mean, there's a lot of talk now about Hasbro and where they're going. Who knows? I mean, I think it's unlikely Hasbro will stay in Pawtucket now. If the Paw Sox had built a shiny new stadium in downtown Pawtucket, maybe that would have been a little more likely that Hasbro would have stayed there and, and built around that. Sure. All right. Let's go to top national story. Maureen, what do you have for that? My top national story, I think, is the Russian, the whole Russian intrusion into our politics and our elections. I mean, it started in the very beginning. We knew that they had done some work. Uh, the question was collusion. The, the conference that the president had with Putin in Helsinki was stunning. The way he, argued, you know, everyone else said this, this was going on, and he said, I'm with Putin. And now we know how they operated and so forth. The question of collusion is still out there. But the idea of how robust and influential uh, their role was in our election and our politics, given who is the president, I think is absolutely the top national story. Yeah, and there's all sorts of contingents. That's a good one. Wendy, what do you have? Uh, the year of the woman. That's my top national story I'm from the Me Too movement but also taking down, you know, really powerful people across lots of different industries, uh, but also the year of the political woman. After a very bruising and unexpected defeat for Hillary Clinton, you have, you know, governors, women elected as governors of Michigan and obviously re-elected in Rhode Island. You have uh, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, first Republican woman governor. You have a first uh, woman senator. Now we have two from Arizona. And you also have Nancy Pelosi, who will likely be the next speaker again. And I think that's just a real, sh it shows you the power of women and the vote. Women don't always support other women just by, because they're women. But the fact is that when women decide as a block to vote in one direction or another, it swings elections. Powerful. Ian, what do you have? My top national story is the growing challenges facing President Trump. He made a very astute comment when he was running in 2016 that he could shoot someone on Madison Avenue in New York and his supporters would still support him. He's had this strategy that's resulted in kind of a Teflon effect of just putting out so much outrageous stuff that it doesn't really stick to him for his supporters at least, but it, increasingly it is sticking. It appears that the chickens may be coming home to roost in terms of the Mueller investigation. We'll see a lot more developments on that in 2019, so that's my top story for the year. And a lot of people, you know, whose 401ks at the beginning of the year were doing great, the economy, not always, a, you know, a, a, an indicator, but let's see where the economy is a year from now with all of the, you know, as the tax cuts wear off. Dave, what do you have? Uh, I found it difficult to, to separate two big stories. I really, I think one big story, and that's the Mueller investigation and what I think is the derailing of the presidency of Donald Trump as a result of his uh, indiscretions because of the way he's handled things. The uh, uh, probably uh, historically the largest turnover of top cabinet peoples of, of any uh, top cabinet people of, uh, of any recent president, maybe for our whole history of the presidency. So I think the Mueller investigations and Trump together. And one of the things that has just struggled, I've struggled with uh, as a citizen, as a former reporter, as somebody who's in the communications business, is the truth-telling aspect of Donald Trump. I think it's just... Or the lack of. Uh, that's the whole point. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I thought of this, that, you know, the lying, uh, you know, Donald Trump can't stop lying. Sarah Huckabee Sanders can't stop 
uh, making things up, and the Republicans seem like they can't tell the difference between the two. I'm just so surprised that the Republicans, who have stood for a lot of really good values in this country, have just fallen down on all of their all, all the things they stand for because they're fearful of this guy. I, I just think this is just an amazing lesson in government gone awry. And so I think it all boils down to the Mueller investigations and the Trump uh, derailing. I just want to add one thing to that. I think the election, the last election, has stiffened the spines of a lot of the Republicans. And you see particularly people that are turning around now, and mm -hmm. sort of Lindsey Graham and people like that, and they're holding him to a different standard. I think, the, as you say, I think the... the the administration is unraveling, and I think this is one of the first steps in, in, in the shocking behavior of the Republicans before the election. I think that's been mitigated now when they talk about what's going to happen in the Senate mm -hmm. with the bill, you know, the, 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 the inclusion of the wall in the bill, and the Senate's not going to go for it. And the Senate, the majority of the Senate are Republicans, so I, I, you're absolutely right. But I think the election had a profound effect on that and hopefully has sort of brought some of these senators and, and you know, elected officials to But isn't expensive. it stunning? Yeah. They're not doing it out of principle. Right. They're doing it out of sheer political calculation. Well, but, the, but it's changed. That's democracy. Yeah. There's oh, been sure. a message sent to them. Sure. Let's do our next two categories together. Biggest winner, biggest loser. And it could be state or national, you know, state or local either. What, what do you have, Wendy? Um, I actually think it's this very uh, Martha McSally is the biggest winner in 2018. Rhode Island's own. Um, because, um, you know, she runs for Senate in Arizona. She loses. And then John Kyle, a, a temporary senator after John McCain's death, steps down. And uh, Doug Ducey, the governor of, of Arizona, Republican, appoints Martha McSally. So now Kristen Sinema beat her in the election, very close election, and then she gets right. the Senate anyway. Remember, um, John Chafee and Claiborne Pell ran against each other. Chafee won. I, I'm getting my history right. And then Pell won. So they ended up serving together right. anyway. So this will be a team, but it will be a pretty awkward team for the state of Arizona. My, the biggest loser, I think, I can't, I, I do think it's Alan Fung. I think Alan Fung is a, generally a very well-liked politician in Rhode Island, ran a good campaign in 2014, I think generally thought to be a nice guy and likes the state of Rhode Island, committed, but he ran a terrible campaign, and he sort of he got nastier than he should have, and I think it hurt him for whatever future aspirations he might have. What do you have, biggest winner, biggest loser? My biggest winners are Governor Raimondo and Speaker Mattiello. Elections are a zero-sum game, and they both uh, in sh you know, continued their places in two key positions for the state. Governor Raimondo, as Wendy said, has consolidated her control over Democratic politics in Rhode Island. Speaker Mattiello faced a lot of questions, had a stronger victory by far than he did in 2016, so they will be very impactful players over the next couple of years. My biggest loser is the city of Pawtucket. Pawtucket's a fine community. I mean, no disrespect to the fine citizens there. I used to live in Pawtucket myself, and it's not really anything that Mayor Grebian has done. He has fought aggressively for his community, but they've just taken so many hits. They're losing the Paw Sox. Memorial, Memorial Hospital is greatly downsized, and now it's highly likely they will lose Hasbro. Uh, Pawtucket needs something to invigorate its future, and it's not in clear, entirely clear right now what that will be. Ian, Ian it's all downhill since you moved. <laughs> you started the exodus. We hold you personally responsible. But they do have the new train station stop, which will be a big deal for the Boston bedroom community right. idea. And some of the lofts so that are there. So it could resurrect housing, and I think that's, the, that's what Pawtucket yeah, has to I focus on. I think that on. could be the key. If you get some more housing there and better transportation, it could be a bedroom community for Boston area commuters. But I, I, I do agree with you in the sense that uh, that was my first. I have a second.
second, but I, I do agree that it was just astounding a series of events that really have undermined, you know, undermined all the possibilities for development. And I think one is linked to the other, losing the paw socks and so forth. And again, I think Grabian was heroic, but you just can't do anything about it. came up short. It. Dave, what are you, uh, biggest winner or biggest loser? Uh, biggest winner, I, uh, it was a toss-up between Nick Mattiello and uh, the incoming uh, Rhode Island Attorney General Peter Narona. He was a big winner just on his own, given the fact that he had no real opposition. Uh, he is a squeaky clean guy who's uh, bent on coming in and I think doing something uh, important that's not been done the last eight years under the existing attorney general. So he's got this benefit of coming in and be almost anything he does that's going to be worthwhile is probably going to be a stark comparison with the outgoing uh, attorney general. Uh, I just think uh, it'll be a, be a big change. Uh, the biggest loser, also I, I had Pawtucket, but I also, uh, pardon me for having a little, a little bit of levity here, the other biggest loser to me was Joe Trillo. If you think about Joe Trillo, had this spectacular career, even though he was in the minority uh, as a as a you know the uh, Republican who was always there with an opinion, he ended up uh, you know he said he was going to chart a new course for Rhode Island as as a governor candidate, and unfortunately it became a metaphor for his landing his uh, his sixty five foot yacht on uh, Charlestown Beach, uh, Charleston Beach, and ended up. Uh, being accused of not telling the truth about that. We'll get to the only Rhode Island moment in a second on the on the rocks, but oh, okay. uh, we'll come back uh, to okay. that. Uh, Marie, what do you got? Biggest winner, biggest loser? Uh, I had uh, I had the, uh, the the Pawtucket, as I said, but the other one is the state Republican Party. Mm -hmm. I mean, they lost seats in this election, and it was a wipeout at the, at the you know at the general election level. So they were, as far as I'm concerned, the big you know the big losers. As far as the biggest winners, I had women as Wendy did. Um, and I just wanted to, add, I could just add to that, that um, not only all the references she made to how well women did, but also the fact that in Nevada, women are now the majority in the state legislature. Mm. And one little addendum, I think there was resistance, there still is resistance to women at the very top, which speaks to the outrageous criticism of Nancy Pelosi. And it also speaks to the difficulties that Gina Raimondo had. You know, most of her support came from women. And there were men, if you look at the data, it was like 70, 40, that kind of thing. So there, I think some people are still uncomfortable with women governors. Um, there's only six, by the way. All right. Our only in Rhode Island moment. Ian, let's begin with you. Speaker Mattiello and Rodan Democrats putting their thumb on the scale to endorse a former Donald Trump supporter, a former Republican over a progressive Democrat in the state rep seat held by Morrill Walsh in Providence. That effort backfired. It resulted in a nationwide publicity about what's going on with the Democratic Party in Rodan. As we know, there are a lot of legislative Democrats who are hardly liberals. They're more, they lean more conservative, but Walsh wound up winning a very handy re-election victory. Dave, what do you have only in Rhode Island? Only in Rhode Island. Um, District 73, State House race. Uh, Marvin Abney, uh, who was the incumbent, faced David Quira. He also faced another David Quira. They were father and son, and they both ran for the same seat. And uh, as it turned out, uh, Dad won the bragging rights. He got 19% of the vote. His son, 7% of the vote. Marvin Abney, with a big smile, won with 74% of the vote. No word on whether Mom voted for father or son. Hey, that's a divided household. Maureen, what do you have? <laughs> Mine is the lighting of the blue bug. They had Billy Gilman this year, and hundreds of people came out, 
and it's this insect on the highway, and it's all draped in 7,000 uh, lights and a red nose, and the idea that this is a big deal only in Rhode Island. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, Wendy, what do you have? I don't have anything close to that. Uh, I have uh, only one like, kudos to Rhode Islanders. I was on a flight this summer from TF Green going somewhere. We were almost four hours delayed, and it was a whole comedy. It was a comedy of errors by the airline, the whole thing. And, and there was a plane full of Rhode Islanders, kids, everybody, and everybody stayed calm. There were no YouTube moments. There was no outbursts. There was no, you know, hostility towards the, anybody. Um, and it was really a proud moment. And the, the airline crew said, thank you, thank you, thank you, Rhode Islanders. You're fantastic people. I have one. My only in Rhode Island moment is only could a young Nikki Mattiello at age 14 oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. have a run-in with a guy who was eventually going to run for governor. Oh, yeah. And the, I think the person who came out worse on that was Mattiello admitted, I was a little strenuous as a child. So <laughs> was, and then the rest was history. Okay. That's it funny. is uh, one of our favorite parts of the show. We go back and look at uh, what this panel predicted last year. And then we're going to see if they were right and they get their predictions for next year. Maureen, let's begin with you. Let's see what you okay. said last year. In 2018, and I, I'm, not, I'm going a very safe one and one out on a limb, in 2018, I think Gina Raimondo gets reelected. And when she gets reelected, she's going to work on the line item veto and a lot of other things and the Providence pension plan. I think she's going to tackle that once she gets this next election under her belt. And the other production I have is I think after 2018, Trump is going to get impeached. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so uh, she gets elected. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the line item veto because Nick Maniello is not warm to it. I so. know, but there's going to be big a big push for it because it's been waiting there and people are for it. And I mean, she, she and the thing is, she was never very vocal about it because she didn't want to alienate the leadership. And she had state, but now that she's been reelected, I think she's going to come out very forcefully. What's your prediction for 2019? Okay, my prediction is that uh, the Trump presidency is unraveling. And it is possible that they could begin impeachment proceedings. And my twist on that is, as bad as it is, I hope not. Because I think this would be really destructive to the system in the sense that there are 50 million Twitter folks that he has. And if he gets removed from office, there's never going to be, the, the conspiracy things are never going to go away. He's got to be defeated by the voters, and I'm ho I hope that happens. Well, the clock's already running to 2020. Yeah. Wendy, uh, let's see what you predicted last uh, week. Let's roll the tape. Uh, in 2018, in um, November 2018 elections, you'll see Republicans, you had uh, 12 Republicans voted against the tax bill, 11 came from New Jersey, New York, and California, where there's high taxes. You're going to see a sort of a wipeout of the Republicans in those blue states that are not going to benefit from this tax bill. So the shift to the Republicans being sort of southern and southeastern is going to be complete. But you're also going to see the Rust Belt Midwest. There's going to be an outcry there that Trump has not fulfilled the promises, that their economy has not gotten better, particularly the auto industry. I think that's the next dark cloud. People aren't buying cars. They aren't renting cars. They're doing Uber and Lyft and other ride-sharing mm. services. I think that's going to start to hit those industries. So the Midwest is going to go down, not up. And I think that's going to have big rumble effects uh, politically across the board. What about 2018? You think, they're going to, you think the Democrats will take the House? 
Um, that's what I mean. I think that there's a, they'll take a number of seats, whether they cross the 24-seat th threshold, I'm not sure. But I think in certain parts of the country, they are going to do very, very well, the Democrats. I don't what think... What about the Senate? Uh, the Senate, I, I, who knows? I, I thought, you know, I didn't even know Doug Jones was going to win Alabama. <laughs> 51-49, I think John McCain's very sick, but there was a Republican governor in, in Arizona. and So uh, Arizona's a flippy state, though. Georgia, Arizona are starting right. to flip. Right. So it could be a very, very interesting year. Um, I also think that uh, for the, the political scene, Trump will not be impeached, mm -hmm. and he won't be impeached because the Democrats do not want President Pence. No matter what mm. you think of Trump, Democrats fear Pence more than they fear All Trump. All right, we have... You were spot on. Yeah, and for, I'm, unfortunately, you know, General Motors announced a lot of layoffs and closing of plants and Ford, too, so this is uh, unfortunate. I think 2019, the economy will dip. Uh, you know, it will dip in uh, different uh, uh, intensities across the country. Rhode Island, you know, may or may not have problems because of this. But I do think that when that happens, pensions in particular become a huge issue for Rhode Island again because we're invested and we have hedge fund investments. So I think that's going to create an, a unique financial crisis for Rhode Island that will um, require a lot of attention. All right. Ian, you are next up. Let's go to the tape and see what you predicted for this year. As far as my prediction for 2018, I'm going to say it's more likely than not that the Paw Sox leave Rhode Island. I think that would be unfortunate. That would be a sad thing. But they're just sailing in a really tough political climate, influenced very much by 38 Studios and by the Paw Sox ill-fated Providence proposal from two years ago. I, ho I heard a little groan from somebody on the panel when you said that. Was that you? Uh, I heard a little bit of groan. Uh, boy, spot on. Yeah, well, it, predictions are tough, but I have two predictions for you, Jim, for 2019. The Providence pension problem will continue to fester. Governor Raimondo has told me that she is not going to intercede in this issue, that it's really on the desk of Mayor Alorza to resolve. But the legislature has, no, has shown no interest in his idea of monetizing the Providence water supply, so there's no easy answer there. My other prediction involves Dominic Ruggiero. He's just won another two-year term as Senate president. I predict that this will be his last term as Senate president and that he will hand off the Senate presidency effectively to his majority leader, Michael McCaffrey of Warwick, although uh, Senate Majority Whip Mary Ellen Goodwin is also interested in that position. Right. We may have to come back two years from now to see whether right. that's the case. All right, Dave, you are the last up. Let's see what you predicted for 2018. 2018, even though I said last week on the show that I think the Paw Sox deal is not very good and, and uh, for, for, for most people, uh, I think, I'll go out on a limb on this, I think that after all is said and done, I think the Sox are going to end up, uh, Paw Sox are going to end up staying in Rhode Island. I think they're going to rework it a little bit more. I, I think there's enough community sway here that they're going to want to try to keep it. Now, I could be way off on that, so I'd like to make a second prediction, and that is the Sox are done. They're going to go somewhere else. <laughs> He's got the Ian. That's there it. you go. Okay. Uh, you, you know, I, well, let me just say, I, th I thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. I thought they were going to pull it out at the I last minute. Mattiello mm -hmm. was going to come in. What were you going to say, Maria? I was going to say I lost $10 to Ian. We had a bet. And I Did said the they state were going police to, know about this? Yeah, I, yeah. Said, I, I said they were going to stay, and he said, no, they're going to leave, and I paid him $10. Oh, I just wanted to know. Everybody's okay. clear on this. Dave, what do you have for a prediction for 2019? A uh, prediction that uh, probably by mid-year, Hasbro is going to make a decision as to what they're going to do, uh, whether they're going to stay in Pawtucket, maybe go to Providence, or pr potentially go somewhere else. 
Uh, it's a real risky prediction. Uh, I just get the sense, though, that Hasbro is going to go on to do bigger and better, not better things, but different things that involve the entertainment industry. And my concern is they may not feel, if they're going to make a big move, they're going to do something big, maybe Massachusetts. They might even go to the other coast. I don't know. And that's, I'm not, I don't have any inside information. Pure hunch on my part. I'll probably regret this a year from now. All right. <laughs> well, you, you want to make a second prediction? Hasbro will stay. Yeah, All right. right. Uh, we have just a couple minutes left. Let's uh, go to people to watch in 2019. Do you have your eye on anybody, Wendy? In Rhode Island, um, Sabina Matos. I think Sabina Matos, um, incoming uh, city council president for Providence. I think she's going to make a, a mark. She already has. And I think it's uh, sort of a, another um, level in terms of the progression of women in politics. You have Ayanna Presley in Boston and women of color in particular. And I think they're going to be heard and heard in, in ways that we haven't seen before in Rhode Island. So I think it's going to be interesting. At the national level, watch Tom Cotton from Arkansas and Ben Sass in Nebraska. They've been pretty critical of Trump. They're young, they're good looking, they're conservative. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if things really go south for Trump and Pence, that one or both of them doesn't make a move for 2020. And the Providence City Council for the first time all female. So it'll right. be interesting to see. Not that they're all together, but at least a female majority. What do you have? My people to watch include uh, also a Providence City Councilor, Nirva LaFortune from Ward 2, also a woman of color, a uh, Haitian-American, and someone Replace who, Kevin Jackson, right? That's right, uh, and could be a candidate for mayor in 2022. And also two prominent statewide Democrats, Nellie Gorbea and Seth Magaziner. We've barely just finished the 2018 election, but I think there could be a potentially sharp 22 primary for governor between those two, and they are gearing up in anticipation of that. Well, term limits for four of the officers. Dave, who do you watch? Uh, people to watch. Uh, Peter Nerona, the uh, incoming attorney general, I think he is going to go in there, and I think you're going to see a marked difference between his administration and the current one. Uh, Brian Goldner, the chairman of the board of Hasbro, uh, he is going to be the one who's probably going to guide the decision as to what Hasbro is going to do if they relocate. And, uh, and uh, Nick Mattiello and, uh, and two other uh, one other, uh, the 22 progressives in the, uh, in the, in the uh, House, it'll be very interesting to see whether they work with Mattiello and if they forge some kind of an alliance to get, get things done or whether they are going to try to essentially uh, be a thorn in his side. It seemed a little chilly, though, didn't it, at that caucus initially? And there were a lot of people who came out before the election, probably not surprisingly, who mm -hmm. said, I won't support him. But... You're right. When they get behind closed doors in January, let's see how it goes. Well, and also, and also with the, uh, you know, politics is the art of the possible. It's the art of compromise. And that, that will apply to the progressives, too. Yeah. Maureen, who do you have? I had Peter Nerona. I think he great, shows great promise, and I think he's going to transform the attorney general's office. And I also had as a backup um, the interplay between Mattiello and the progressives. Mm -hmm. So I sort of covered there. But the other one I, I could mention nationally is Nikki Haley. I want to mm -hmm. see what she's going to do. She's what do you think about this whole move? She leaves. Is that setting herself up? Is she trying to distance herself? Or I think she wants vice to, president. She wants to be vice president. She, she wants to be vice dump? president. You think so? Yeah. I think it gives Trump a perfect opportunity to dump Pence if he thinks he's in trouble and bring her on. And I have to say, she's formidable. She's do formidable. Do I, I think that's true. I think she yeah. has ambitions, and yeah. I think she wanted to get out of that office right. now Without before, you know, be, without the stain. She's yeah. managed, and she's formidable. She's been a governor. Um, she's somebody to watch. See, I, I, I take a little different... I, I don't think that she and, and Trump are symbiotic at all. I, I just think that their values are, are so totally different. I think, if anything, she may be positioning herself in case something does happen to Trump, 
or he is so vulnerable in, in, in four years that she may actually want to get on the ticket either as president or as vice president. Last and, thought on that? Well, just South Carolina Republicans are thinking of actually changing their primary to prevent that. From, so it's interesting. The South Carolina Republican Party <laughs> is trying to change it to protect Trump. Mm -hmm. So they may have wind of Nikki Haley's ambitions as well. well All right. Folks, it's a quick 30 minutes. It's been a quick year. Thank you for watching us during 2018. Ian and Wendy and Maureen and Dave. Should we do it again next year? Sure. Yeah, Let's sure. do it again next year. We've got a lot of tape that we're going to have uh, to short memories. Folks, we do thank you for the loyalty that you have to this show. We have a brand new set for you to watch. We have a new format that we're going to be carrying into 2019, but we appreciate the lively discussion that we have every week with great panelists like this. We hope you have a great holiday season. We will be back here next week with the legislative leaders from the Senate and the House to see what's on their mind going into the new session. We hope you have a great week, everybody. We'll be back here next week. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.